We are beginning a new uh, book of the Bible uh, that we're going to be looking at on Sunday mornings uh, this morning. And so if you have your Bible, I invite you to turn with me to the book of Jonah. Jonah chapter 1. We're going to begin in verse 1. Jonah chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. You know, as we think about Jonah, we most often associate it with a children's movie uh, or a children's book or a children's story. And children are normally fascinated with the book of Jonah because in the book of Jonah, uh, this fellow by the name of Jonah, who is a prophet, he disobeys God and he hops on this ship and he begins to sail and God sends this storm and the storm is terrible and it's going to sink the ship that Jonah is on. And so the people on the boat, after figuring out that it's Jonah who has caused this storm to come upon them, they throw him in the ocean. And Jonah, what happens, kids? What happens? One of y'all right here. Ah, the preschooler got it. Just remember that. That's right. He got eaten by the big fish, the big whale. And he spends how long in the fish? 40 days. Oh, sorry. He spends three days, right? And what happens? He spits him out. Now, that spits him out is the Baptist way of talking about it. If you look at what the Bible says, he doesn't say spit. But we'll keep it clean this morning. And basically, the end of that story with the kids is, and Jonah, go, the, uh, Jonah goes and he does what God says. But that's not exactly how the story goes. And so as we look at Jonah for a good portion of this summer, I want us to look at how Jonah is really speaking into the attitude that you and I so often have about the world. Because the thing about Jonah is, Jonah is described as a prophet. And as a prophet, he is a man of God who God has spoken to on multiple occasions before we get to this part of Jonah's life. Jonah has the unique privilege, as we'll see here in just a moment, of having the word of the Lord come to him. So Jonah's just not some guy that has no idea what's going on, no idea about God's plans, no idea about where he's going in life. And that's what makes this story, to me, so very sad when we think about Jonah, but so very excited and joyful when we think about what it says to us about God. So if you found Jonah, I give you plenty of time. Jonah chapter 1, verse 1, if you'll stand with me this morning, out of reverence for God's Word. Jonah chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, Go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it. 
for their evil has come before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went on board to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. You may be seated. I go back and forth on whether or not I think Jonah should be looked at poorly. And this is kind of the way the two arguments go in my mind. Jonah does something here that's really dumb. I've tried to clean it up a little bit. He did something that was very unwise. He is told to go and do something by God. And we're told here that he does not only not what God says, but he does the opposite. If we were looking at a map this morning, where he is headed when it says that he goes to get on a ship to go to Tarshish is the exact opposite way of Nineveh where God tells him to go. It would really be similar as if I told you, hey, you need to go to Raleigh. So you go out the road right here and you go out to exit 116 and there's two directions you can go, right? You can go to Hickory or you can go to Morganton and this exit confuses me because you're all going in weird directions anyhow. Well, if you go to Hickory, you would be on your way toward Raleigh. But if you go down here to exit 116 and you head toward Morganton and you get to Asheville, you've not went toward Raleigh. As a matter of fact, you have went in the opposite direction direction of where I told you to go. And so when I I see that that's what Jonah did, I realize that that was very unwise. And so I want to be hard on I want to be hard on Jonah. But here's the other thing, when I read this and I see that the word of the Lord came to Jonah and told him to go and do something and he went the opposite direction, I want to cut Jonah some slack because I've done this a lot. And you ought to cut him some slack because you've done this a lot. It reminds me a lot of when we go to the New Testament and we see the disciples and we see Peter and he is standing there as Jesus is talking about his death. And Peter, he he says, you know, God, Jesus, I, I would stand with you to the end. I would defend you until the end. If everybody else left you, I'll be right here. And we find not many words later in the Bible where somebody looks at Peter and they say, Hey, you know Jesus. He's like, Uh, not me. Hey, you know Jesus. And he says, No, no. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us that he curses those who try to accuse him of knowing Jesus. And so I like to cut Peter a little slack because I've been right there. And the same is true with Jonah. He has this unique privilege of God talking to him, but he runs in the other direction. And that's what I want us to think about this morning. I want us to think about the call that God gives to Jonah and his reaction to it. Because I think 
that if you and I are honest with ourselves, when we see this calling that God puts on Jonah's life, we realize that we have responded much the same way. Look, beginning in verse 1. Now, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. If you go through the Old Testament and you go to these places, especially uh, these books at the end of the Old Testament that we call the Minor Prophets, and you can flip through there. As a matter of fact, if your Bible's like mine, Jonah takes up exactly two pages. You don't have to flip very far and you find these other guys. And they are known as the minor prophets. And you'll see often in many of them, it starts out with the word of the Lord came to so-and-so. The word of the Lord came to this prophet or that. What that is telling us is that God spoke directly to them so that they would understand what they are supposed to tell the people. But Jonah's case is very unique. Because when the word of the Lord comes to him, it is telling him to do something that he most likely has not been told to do before. Back in the book of 2 Kings, which is earlier in your Old Testament, you'll find where Jonah is given this message from God about a king. This king's name was Jeroboam II. You don't need to learn that. I mean, you could. It's in the Bible. It's important, but that's his name. And Jeroboam is told that his kingdom is going to expand. It's going to grow. And Jonah has the great privilege of giving him that message. So we know that Jonah is used to God communicating with him. As believers in Christ, that's something you should be used to. You should be regularly acquainted with God speaking to you. He does so through his word. He communicates with us. He tells us his plans for our life, what he wants us to do. So Jonah's accustomed to this. And this word only comes to those who have put their faith and trust in Christ. And so this word comes to Jonah, and he's given an instruction. And this is where the problem comes. See, when you and I read this, if we don't know what's going on here, we might be a little bit confused. Why would Jonah be given instruction, something he's accustomed to being given, and do the opposite? Well, it's because exactly what he was told to do was not really what he was expecting. You know, think about his last message that I mentioned a second ago. He got to go to the king and walk in in front of the king and say, Guess what, king? I've got good news. God has said that your kingdom is going to grow. Sounds good, right? I mean, everybody's happy when you hear that. God said everything's going to be great. Everything's going to be good. The message this time is different. Because he is told to go to a place called Nineveh. Nineveh was about as bad as you could get. Nineveh was the capital city of the enemies of God's people. That's a little different, right? No longer is it, hey, go preach at the Baptist church in Eichard, where a lot of people like Baptists. A lot of people don't, but some people like Baptists. No, it's, I want you to pick up your stuff 
I want you to go to the city where once you arrive, you will be now the most hated person in the city, and that's where I want you to preach. That's a little bit different, right? I mean, that's like me, a country boy from the foothills, being told, hey, pack up your stuff. We want you to go to New York. Maybe it's not quite that. That's a bad rap. Some of you are Yankees. I'm sorry for even saying that. I know we have some people here who have immigrated south. It's like me being told I needed to go somewhere in the Middle East. I just got back from Thailand. Those of you who are visiting with us, I spent two weeks in, in, in Asia there in Thailand, and it's a different world, completely different world. I was among people who were glad to see me. They were, they were welcoming of me. They took me places. They, they kept me fed while I was there. They kept me from being in an earthquake by sending me home early. They, they got me out of there before a military coup took over in the country. I was very fortunate. But you go some places like that, and you're not welcome. And they don't want you there. And they want you arrested. And they want you beaten. And they want you thrown in jail. That's where Jonah's told to go. He's told to go to the place in the world that will hate him the most. And as if that wasn't bad enough, he wasn't to go there and take a vacation. You know, sometimes you can get away with that, right? You can go somewhere, and if you kind of hide under the radar, you can go in and come out, and nobody really knows you're there. Like, apparently, there's some people that vacation in places like Iran. Don't know why. Don't know why that would be where you'd want to go. Maybe the beaches are really nice, but some people vacation in places like that. Not me. That's not a vacation place. But Jonah is not told to go on a vacation. Look what he says. He says, arise, verse 2, arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. Now get the picture here, because we don't always get this picture in the kids' version of the movie. He says, I want you to go to the one place on earth that you're going to be hated more than any other. I want you to go to that city, one person, one single human being, Jonah. I want you to walk into that city, and when you get there, I want you to begin to preach that they need to stop being evil. That they need to turn from their sin because their evil, he says, has come up before me. It means that God has looked down and he sees how evil Nineveh is. And so he's looked back where Jonah lives and said, I want you to go there. I want you to walk into that city. And I want you to tell them how evil they are. That doesn't seem like it's going to work out real well. I mean, that's like walking down the streets of, <clears throat> of Las Vegas and saying, hey, maybe you guys shouldn't be gambling. Don't think it's going to work out real well, right? I mean, at least they're probably not going to beat you or anything. But, I mean, is anybody going to listen? That's why they're in Vegas, right? That's how Vegas makes their money. They, they need that. Or they're not going to survive. It's, it's going to collapse. 
So he tells them, this is what God has said. I want you to go to the most evil city that there is, and I want you to tell them that they are evil. That's how God comes to Jonah and says, Jonah, this is how you fit into my plan. That's pretty rough, to be honest with you. And I imagine that if you and I, as we were reading through the Bible, as we were praying to God, we really felt God was calling us to a place like that. I think it would deeply concern us. Because there would be a lot of questions I would have. God, what's one person going to do? This is a whole city. This was a very large city. One of the largest in the world at the time. How is it that I'm going to go into this place and I'm going to preach to them and anything's going to happen? God, if I do this, as soon as I walk through those gates and I open my mouth, they are going to kill me then and there. That's the reputation that the Ninevites had. The people who lived in Nineveh, they did not treat people who did not agree with them very well. You know, you think about now, if we are in a war somewhere and we capture soldiers, we have these, these rules that we have put in place for ourselves on how we will treat them. That we'll give them food, that we'll give them a place to sleep, that we'll treat them very well. And there was no such rules there. They would do horrific things to people that they did not agree with. Killing you at that point would be a blessing compared to what they would do to you as they tortured you. This was not an exciting call from God. And I believe that you and I need to make sure that when God is calling us, that we haven't put things in place to prevent us from doing what He has said. See, I don't really think that Jonah believes that God's plan is not going to work. It just doesn't make any sense. Maybe God just doesn't know what He's doing, so I'm going to go and run in a different direction. But God's plan is perfect. It's never been thwarted. It's, it's never been removed. It's, it's always perfect. Everything that God plans for, everything that God does, everything that God foresees is going to happen. It always works that way. But the unfortunate thing for you and I is that we can't see that far in advance. We, we can't see everything that's going to happen. I hope that over the summer you'll take a couple times and even read through Jonah because when you get to the end, you see that, that everything that Jonah has thought would happen does. Because see, here in chapter 1, we're left thinking, okay, God doesn't know what he's doing. But we get to the end and Jonah confesses, you know, God, my problem the whole time with all of this is that I didn't really want to see these people change. Because see, God was going to destroy this city, this city of Nineveh and all these people. God was going to wipe them out if they didn't do something. And what Jonah had seen in his life was phenomenal grace from God. God had shown him mercy time and time again. And he is afraid that if God sends him to Nineveh, 
He's going to start preaching. These people are going to put away their evil, and God is going to save them. And the problem is if God saves them, they still remain the enemy of his people. Sometimes you and I are going to get called to do things in life. God's going to prod us, and he's going to push us, and he's going to call us to things, and they are going to make us very uncomfortable. And here's more the reality of what's going on here. Jonah didn't like these people. And since he didn't like these people, he didn't really care that much if they got destroyed. See, Jonah had it in his mind that that God's blessings and mercy and grace were just for him and just for his people. He he couldn't see and couldn't understand that, that God's mercy and grace was greater. And so when God tells him to go, this is what he does in verse 3. But Jonah rose, which he was supposed to do. First word of verse 2, arise. So Jonah arose. He got the first step right, but then everything falls apart. To flee to Tarshish. And look what he says, from the presence of the Lord. He decided he was just going to get away from God. He was just going to run away from where God was. Because he had it in his mind somehow that God was, was just in one little place right here. And if he got away from it, he wouldn't have to deal with God anymore. So he goes down to Joppa, which is a little city there on the coast. He found a ship that was going to Tarshish, which would have been to the end of the known world at that time. If you, if you can kind of see the map in your head, if you're familiar with, with uh, the geography there, they're in Israel. They're there on the Mediterranean Sea on the coast of Israel in Joppa. And he's wanting to go to Tarshish, which was on the south of where Spain and Portugal is, which was as far as the map went at that time. You know, this is during the time where they believed if you sailed past there, at some point you're going to fall off the end of the earth. That's where he's trying to go to. He's trying to go to the end of the world because he believes there he can get away from God. And so what does he do? He buys a ticket, paid the fare, went on board to go with them to Tarshish. And again, he says, away from the presence of the Lord. If you look at this in the Hebrew language, which is what the Old Testament was written in, Originally, this is a play on words. See, God tells him to arise and go. And instead, Jonah arise or arose and he ran. I think Jonah was afraid. I don't think there's any doubt about that. If I told you you had to go somewhere where they were going to arrest you and beat you and kill you, most likely you would probably be afraid. But I think there's a lot of other things going on in Jonah's mind. He's worried. He didn't want these people to be saved because these were his enemy. How good would it be if their enemy was destroyed? If you think about it in our context today and you think about the enemies that our country has around the world, if we were about to go to war with someone, if they were at our border, they're about to invade us. And you knew, God told you, hey, guess what, I'm going to wipe them out. 
Okay, we'd all be, yay, hey, exciting. We don't have to go to war. But then he tells you, but I want you to go preach to them. And you know that if you go and you tell them about God and they repent and turn from their sin and they no longer have this idea that God is going to spare them, but they're going to attack you. You'd be worried. Some of you might even feel, and, and I, I struggle with this too, we'd feel some obligation to, to go in and, and prevent this thing from happening, these people from attacking us, and that's the opportunity that Jonah sees here. He's just being, if you will, very patriotic. If God destroys this problem, we won't have to worry about them anymore. And so he runs. And I wonder this morning, I wonder how many of us run like Jonah. We, we just don't want to do what God has told us to do. I mean, some of you are sitting here and you, God's told you to do some stuff and you've just not done it. So what happens to me every time I read this is I, I remember that there are things that God has told me to do at various points in my life that I've just ran from. And it eats at you. It burdens you. And I went to college I told the church I grew up in, I went to college to study youth ministry. And I got to college. I didn't really like it very much. I know I stayed like eight years after that, and that's like the second part of the story. But when I got there, I hated college. Just didn't want to be there. And then I decided I definitely didn't want to study youth ministry. And so what did I do? Well, I... I switched majors. I guess that was my going from Nineveh to Tarshish. Because I became a theater major. So you got youth ministry and theater. Those are almost, I think you could see one department from the other, the buildings on campus. But that is about as close as they get. But you know what? It ate at me. It really did. You know, I took my first position in ministry basically because we needed some money because we were newlyweds and broke. And the church hired me, no lie, they had 30 or 33 applicants. I don't remember which one it was. And they hired me because I was the only applicant that was married. I don't know what that has to do with it, but that was it. That was the reason. It wasn't, it wasn't because what I was studying. It wasn't because of experience I had. I was married, and they wanted to have a husband and wife when they took their youth places. That makes sense, because, I mean, that's the same as being called by God to do something. I mean, but some of you, if not all of you, have done that as well. God has called you to something. He's called you to go somewhere. He's called you to do something in His service for Him and you have ran in the other direction. But the ironic thing about all of it is what he says here at the beginning and at the end of verse 3. He's trying to get away from the presence of the Lord. 
He thought if he went far enough away, if he ran far enough away, he would get away from the presence of God. The tragedy is, in all of this, that he actually wanted to get away from the presence of God. That he had been in God's presence, God had spoken to him on multiple occasions, but he wanted to get away from God's presence. But the lucky thing, it's not lucky, the fortunate thing for Jonah is that he couldn't. Can you imagine? How would this story have ended? If you know the whole story, you know how everything goes. How would this have ended if he could have sailed to a certain point in the ocean, and here's the line, and here you're in God's presence, and you get over to this line, and you've crossed God's presence, and now you're away from it. Now you don't have to worry about God anymore. You don't have to deal with Him. He's not going to pursue you. He's not going to tell you to do anything else. You're away from God. You're good. How sad that would be. Because if that had happened... Yeah, Jonah would have made it to Tarshish. He would have grown old there and died there, and nobody would have ever heard from him again. But everything that happened afterwards would not have occurred. See, if you read this story in the children's books, you're going to miss the fact that Jonah leaves behind him this trail of destruction. Everywhere he goes from now on, he leaves this trail of destruction. But it's not the type of destruction you might think. Because everywhere that Jonah goes from now on, evil, wickedness, sinfulness, however you want to describe it, is destroyed. Look at it. The guys on the boat, they want to know who it is. Who is this God of Jonah's that could cause all of this storm to happen? And it, the Bible tells us that they follow after God. When Jonah's in the well, his heart, the evil in his heart, is at least it begins to be destroyed. When he gets to Nineveh, what do they do? They take him out and they burn him, right? They take him out and they kill him? That's not what happens. They repent. The evil in that city is destroyed, at least for a season. Jonah leaves that behind. It's it's the result of what God ends up doing, as God ends up working, as God's presence ends up being felt. So, let me ask you this. When you look at what God has called you to in your life, When you look at the fact that He has called you to follow after Christ, He has given you new life in Christ. When you see that that is the result of what He has done, are there some things that you have been running from? Things that God has called you to do, you know it clearly, and yet you do not do those things. Has maybe God called you to do some things in His church that you've refused to do? Maybe more importantly, are there some people out there in the world who you know who don't know Christ? They they don't go to church anywhere. They don't don't have any type of relationship with God, and yet you just ignore them. I know there is for me, and I work here. I, I work here. My office is here. I see people here all the time, but yet I know a lot of lost people around us who I've never spoken to, who I've never taken the time to invite to church. You all work out there. 
You work in businesses. You go to school. You deal with people in your family, in your community who who don't know Christ, and God's urging you. You felt it. You've been standing there talking to them, and God said, hey, invite them to church, and you've went on. They're having a bad day, and you've got a chance to share with them about how God can speak into their bad day, how God wants to take on their bad day, how God wants to be with them and help them, and you've just shook your head. You went the other direction. Pat them on the back. I'm sorry. And went on. See, the sad thing about this is when the word of the Lord comes to Jonah, this is a word of hope. It doesn't really sound like it when you read verse 2, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But this is a message of hope. He's, the only way those people in Nineveh can ever have any hope is if Jonah will go to them. They don't know anything about God. They don't even know who He is. And Jonah is to go and tell them. But Jonah's going to ignore them. And you and I, if you're here this morning and you're a Christian, you've got the only hope that's available to anyone in the world. But often when God wants us to share that, we turn and run the other direction. I want you to think about this as we start wrapping this thing up. So often, I see people, or I hear people talk about not knowing what God wants for their life. And a lot of times, we like to use that, not knowing, as our excuse for not doing anything for God. We, we like to say, well, I'm trying to figure out what God wants me to do. The world's collapsing around us, but we're trying to figure out what God wants me to do. God has told us what He wants us to do. Like, it's not rocket science, because we're all unwise or worse. So God didn't make it hard. Because if He'd have made it hard, then I would have bought some of those excuses. You know, I don't know what God wants me to do. But He made it real easy. Now, it was super easy for Jonah. God came to him and said, this is where I want you to go. This is what I want you to do when you get there. These are the people you're going to be talking to, whatever. But let us not ever use our ignorance, if you will, of what God wants us to do as an excuse for not doing anything. Because there's some things that God told us to do that cover everybody who claims to be a part of his family. He told us that we're supposed to love our neighbor as ourselves. Not rocket science. It's hard, but it's not hard to understand. It's hard to do. Because, you know, some of you make it hard to like you. And that's fine. That's your choice. 
Some people in the world really make it hard to like them. But that's what God's called us to do. So see, Jonah here, when he, when he hears this, he's decided, I'm not going to love my neighbor as myself because God doesn't know what he's doing. Because, because this guy's not my neighbor. This guy's not nice enough to me. That's not what God's called us to do. Let us never get to the point where we decide that we're not going to do anything for God because, well, he's yet to speak to us. Listen, God's not coming to you in a dream. He's not coming to you in a vision. And if you tell me he is or has, and it's something that's wild and crazy, guess what? It wasn't God. He has given us his instructions. But we sit around and we wait for an angel to show up or a wadded up piece of paper to fall out of heaven with God's handwriting on it or whatever your thing is. Just do what he said. Let me promise you that if you would set your sights on doing what this word says, it will consume the rest of your life and you'll not need further instructions. Because this will consume everything. Each one of you in this room who has followed after Christ, each one of you who has trusted in Him, has been called to do something great by Him. Something much greater than what you're doing now. And I don't say that as a a knock on what you're doing now. What I'm saying is that God has called us all to something much greater than what we're achieving. And Jonah has the great privilege of going and sharing a message of repentance with the people of Nineveh. And he runs away. And if he could have got away from God's presence, he would have never turned back. This morning, God has called each one of us to something great. He's called each one of us to do something for his kingdom, to do something because of the great gift that he has given us in being able to follow Christ. But some of us are running, running from it. And so we have the choice this morning of what we're going to do. I know it may take a few weeks for you to see this doesn't work out well for Jonah. And it doesn't work out well for us. Because we're never able to experience the joy that God has for us when we're running from Him. When our goal is to get out of His presence as far away from Him as possible, how can we ever have the joy that He offers us? It's impossible. We can't. So that's the choice this morning. Do we go and do what God has told us to do? Or do we run away, trying to get as far away from Him as we can? Some of you are here this morning and you don't know Christ. You don't even know what I'm talking about. You thought Jonah was a kid's story. Don't be afraid. A lot of the other people here did too. They'll learn differently over the next eight, ten, however many weeks. But if you're here and you don't know Christ, you, you've never trusted in Him, you've never decided, I'm going to follow after Christ and not do my own way. I'm going to follow after the things of God and turn away from the things that I've been doing. If you look at this story from God's perspective, what you see is that God sends Jonah to go talk to some of the most wicked people there were. 
Some of these, these people were wicked. They, they hated other people. They killed other people. They tortured other people. And yet God was compassionate toward them. God wanted to show them amazing love by sending his prophet to tell them that they needed to follow after God. The great news for you this morning, if you don't know Christ, is that he is offering you the same thing. He sent his son to die for you. See, that's what was going to happen to the people in Nineveh. They were going to die for their sin. God was going to wipe the city off the earth because it was so wicked and they were so sinful and they had done so much evil. And yet he sent someone to tell them that there could be something different. And so for you and I, he has sent Christ to proclaim to us that we could do something different. We could know something different. We could live differently. And his son died. And he died so that one day, maybe today, you could live. And so if you're here this morning and you don't know Christ, you've never trusted in Him, you've never believed in Him, put your faith in Him, whatever way you want to describe it, I want to invite you in just a minute when we get ready to sing and we're going to pray, I would love to talk to you about how you can know Christ, how you can trust in Him, how you can have a relationship with Him. Because it's what He, it's what he wants for us. He doesn't want us to live far away, trying to get away from His presence. He wants us to to live close to Him and to know His love. So I invite you this morning, if you don't know Him, to come and to hear the good news about what God has done for you. I want you to bow your heads with me as we pray. Heavenly Father, God, we thank You for the day that You've given us. We thank You for Your mercy and grace, God, the mercy that is beyond measure. God, we're thankful that in you we have hope. In you we have grace and peace. God, I just pray that as we we go through our time today, our time of worship and now our time of prayer, God, that you would just continue to guide us and speak to our hearts. Lord God, I pray that those who are here who don't know you would feel your your love and your grace today, that they would feel your mercy, and that, God, you would just continue to lead and guide us. Lord, I know that there are many places that you have called us to go as a church. God, I fear so often we run from you. And so, God, I would just pray that you would lead our hearts. You would point us where you would have us to go, God. And that even when we try to flee your presence, God, that you would stay with us and you would bring us back. And, God, we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. I'm going to invite you to stand with me as we have this time of invitation. Uh, I just invite you to come and respond to, to what God has called us to do this morning.